Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hanson O'Neill. I am your host. And our quote today is by Henry Ford. Failure is only the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. I love this quote, but not as much as I love our guest today. Paul Pruitt has been an entrepreneur his entire life, building successful multi-million dollar businesses in different industries, including real estate, photography, and online businesses. He has had many highs and lows in his journey and has successfully reinvented himself many times through his extensive knowledge of branding, marketing, and sales. Paul and his wife, Melissa, are partners in business and life, and when not busy coaching entrepreneurs, they enjoy traveling and spending time with their family. I will tell you before I bring Paul on that he continually astounds me with his ability to just process any question and have an amazing marketing related response. He is amazing. So I can't wait to introduce you to Paul Pruitt. Paul, how are you today? Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Man, you just set the bar really high for me. So let's <laughs> let's see if we can uh, make this happen for everyone. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I've seen you enough times that I'm not concerned. You know how to take that bar and raise it up even higher. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'm going to actually, I, I tend to do this. I'm going to dive into the hard stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's yeah. where all the goodness is. Yeah, I know. It really is, isn't it? Can you tell me what happened on February 4th, 2008? Yeah, we're diving right in. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I actually, at the time, I was down in Florida uh, with somebody I was dating at the time, and I received a phone call. Uh, from an attorney. Um, and they said to me, Hey, Paul, uh, a $32,500 check just bounced for the second time in our escrow account on a settlement of a house that happened a couple weeks ago. And we need you to walk into our office today with cash, or we're calling the attorney general's office and filing charges against you. Mm. And that was a very big epiphany moment because that started an entire, like my world that I had built and spent so much energy and time, um, you know, building over my years of coming from nothing into what I had at that time. Uh, it spiraled it. It took, it was like pulling the rug out from under me and being totally caught off guard and surprised because what happened and what we learned later on is a family member of mine who I trusted uh, had taken out over $600,000 out of my company over a period of time, yeah. uh, unbeknownst to me and others. And unfortunately going into, this is the real estate company at the time and going into 2008, we all know that that was the bubble, mm -hmm. but, uh, that we had enough money in the account, uh, to float that type of deficit without being aware until the bubble was happening and that void revealed itself. And, uh, my entire life, just spiraled out of control at that moment. I, I came from nothing, built that business up. And in that phone call, my entire life changed, especially over the next several months. In a blink of an eye, I had 
I had a Hummer, I had a Prowler, I had a, you know, over 5,000 square foot house. You know, I was living the, the good life and traveling the world, jet setting, having fun. Uh, and all of a sudden, um, several months later, I found myself living on my buddy's couch because I couldn't even afford to pay him rent. I was selling furniture out of a storage unit uh, just to get money uh, to be able to eat. Um, I had to give up my visitation with my son uh, most of the time and where he normally would come over to where I lived. Suddenly I didn't have a room. I didn't have a place. And, um, and where I was at at that time was not conducive for him to come over. So I had to re reinvent myself in a lot of ways on a personal level, as well as a business level. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that, that I had to say, you know, it's many years later now and I wouldn't change a thing. Oh my gosh. So, so that's amazing. And I do find that when you can look back on something, there's always that lesson, but in the moment of it, um, I also believe very strongly in choices, right? Mm-hmm. So we have choices and how to respond in the moment of it. What did you do or how were you able to come out of that and make choices that could bring you back to a state of success and satisfaction again? Well, I had to say it, it brought me back to when I was a child because um, my mom and dad, you know, I love them both. And uh, my father has since passed. Uh, my, my mom has um, been in approximately, I guess, 40 years of recovery now. So I celebrate that for her. Um, but it's something that, you know, I was a child of addiction. Um, you know, I begged for food as a, as a kid. We've been homeless several times in our life. Uh, so it's not like I had the silver spoon. I had everything easy. Um, you know, so resiliency was just something that I had to, like, it was a natural characteristic. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing though, is you, you definitely, when life progresses and you achieve things, you forget about those times. They just become stories. And when you don't have an emotional attachment anymore, like they just sit in the past and they kind of get shriveled up and disappear. And then when you are on the track of what you believe is success and you're building something and you you know, you're, you're constantly moving that goalpost and you're leveling up and things are going your way. And in that moment, when everything changed, it was like my credibility was gone. My reputation was gone because nobody pointed to anybody else when that happened. Like the buck stopped with me. I was the owner. I was the broker. Uh, my employees, you know, suddenly weren't getting their paycheck anymore. The offices within weeks are being closed. People were the rumors all over the place. Like people were saying that I was in rehab. People were saying that I went off the deep end. Like it was just, I had nobody, like everybody I thought that was a friend, you know, was a friend. It was a transactional friendship uh, because I was so much into that business. And then what happened though, was that I, I don't think any of us are invincible in the moment. Like this is situational depression. You know, it's just like, you know, I was on top of the world, thought everything's great. I'm flying high. And then suddenly like everything that I work for is hundred percent taken away. Like in a blink in that year in 2008, you know, the lawsuits happened, you know, I had eight offices, you know, we had a, you know, with a fran- large franchise company, they accelerated all of our franchise agreements. I had um, the uh, offices, each of them, you know, the, everything from the copy machine to the uh, phone systems and, and the rents on them, the, all those agreements got accelerated. Mm-hmm. So I, in a blink of an eye, I went from multimillionaire lifestyle to being over $3 million in debt. And I couldn't finance anything. I couldn't like everything was gone. You know, everything I worked for, all the energy, effort, time, sacrifice, all the things I did. And then it was very isolating because all the friendships, they actually were transactional. They were convenience friendships. They were, I surrounded myself with people, 
and actually took for granted the relationships I had in my real world. Like I was always too busy for them. So it was very a dark time for several months. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that I had to reflect back to when I didn't have anything and just something that I've learned in my life that, you know, just, I have a decent skill set, And I think that's why a lot of people, even when it comes to marketing, I constantly ask myself a different question. So I know, I notice when we're depressed, we normally ask why, why me, why this happened? Why, 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 why? Mm -hmm. And that's never, when you ask that question, it's never going to give you a positive answer. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's just a certain point. I just had to say to myself, how can I get back on top again? What do I need to do to have a different reality than this right now? What is my next step? Because we all want to like skip right back to where we were, <laughs> you know, right, right. Um, it was like, so it's very humbling. It's like, what do I have? What resources do I have that can allow me to at least not only get by today, but just set me up for the next phase. And because I came from nothing, I think that that allowed me at some point to come full circle. And I think there's just, it's like the, the natural course of, um, you know, grieving and, you know, going through the cycle, but it was just like, okay, losing everything, being mad, pointing fingers, being mm -hmm. frustrated, going through the whole entire cycle and then coming full circle and just saying to myself, like, what do I want? This is like a perfect reset moment yeah. that it all sound because when people ask me about the, the, the whole hero story and like, oh, what things happen? And, you know, you tell people in like a 30 second version or 30 minute version or whatever, when I speak from stage, or whatever, and people really connect with that. But, you know, it really sucks when you're living it. Like, you know, it, it's a story afterwards. Right. But it's like, no, like it you you're contemplating a lot of different things that you were never thinking of. Like you were not this person before. And you're living through something that you think is like a real world hell at the time, um, because it's like, I did all the right things. I was the boy scout. I did all the right things. Mm. And then it still happened. And there's a certain point you have to interrupt that pattern. You have to think beyond the moment that you're in. Cause for any of us, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed success. We're not guaranteed anything, but a lot of us, we just take risks. And it's the one thing I came back to is like, you know, the advantage that I have, is that I have nothing again, <laughs> which, nothing means, right? <laughs> which means every decision I make from here is all going to take me up because like, <laughs> you can't threaten me. Like I, yeah. I, like I have nothing, you know, I, I can, so every, every chance that I take, every risk that I take, you know, can only lead me to a, a different positive outcome mm -hmm. than where I'm at at this moment. And I think, I think a lot of us don't think through and don't reframe what is the worst case scenario. And I think when you actually look at like, what is like, really, what is the worst case scenario? Okay. I'm going to take a lot of risk and then I, I lose everything or I got to go live with a parent or something, or I got to go do this. But what is the potential reward by taking that risk again? What's the potential reward? Now, again, when I say all these things, like we had eight offices, we did thousands of transactions a year, made over $8 million a year in gross income, half a billion in transactions two over 200 agents, 16 employees. It sounds great. Like when I, when I can do the elevator pitch on that, sounds awesome. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is that at the same time, and I talked about it a minute ago, like I didn't have my personal friendships anymore. Yeah. I didn't have my health. I didn't, I wasn't in a healthy space because I was always focused on the business. So in a way there was a blessing yeah. that this gave me the opportunity to be way wiser than I was when I first started building that company. And it gave me the opportunity to have the reset button and to be more intentional and purposeful on what to do next. 
Oh my gosh, Paul, this is brilliant for so many different reasons. First and foremost, I just want to come back to the reframe of the question, because I think yeah. anyone right now out there listening can take that away as a nugget that they can use right now to shift from the why me to how can this help me? Who do I need to, who can I go to for help? What is a different question that I can ask or a different action I can take? I love that. I think that's brilliant. And then also, you know, the, the what can I lose? Another great question because, you know, when you're in that, that point of, you called it reset. I think a lot of people this year have unfortunately gone through some resets in their life, but to be able to see them as a real gift and a benefit, you know, sometimes we got to wait a few years <laughs> to, <laughs> to be able to look back and say, oh yes, that was amazing. I'm so glad that happened. But if we can, in the moment of it, try to find the lesson or the gift, that's fantastic. I, I love this. Um, now you have had, you know, a lot of different, you know, I don't want to say a lot, but you've had resets, you've had opportunities to kind of figure things out and reinvent yourself. I mean, you're, I've seen the way that your brain works. I mean, you <laughs> are amazing and you see opportunity in everything. It's, it's really incredible to watch. So how did that come to be? Was that learned from some of these lessons or was it something that kind of always has been a part of you. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't necessarily wish this on anyone specifically, but it just, uh, it's the, the real, the harsh reality of my sister and I like living as children. Mm. Uh, my, my father, not only being in, you know, in addiction at the time, he was a musician, he, he had a good soul, mm -hmm. uh, but he was a lost soul and he would disappear on us. And, you know, and I had that reality of growing up where, you know, I would talk to my parents at different points in time while they were in jail, you know, and it's like, so I think the resiliency and just looking at things, because we didn't have a lot of things. So, you know, as children, so it's like, we had to find ways to entertain ourselves that other people would look at and go like, wow, I, I wouldn't do that. That would be boring. Or, you know, um, we didn't see it negative that um, we had hand-me-downs. It's like, oh, cool. A new bag got dropped off. It's like Christmas today. We get to open up this bag and see all the new stuff. Yeah. Will it fit us? You know, and, but what it is, is just the resiliency and, is that when you when you live through something and you don't know that it's not the norm, it is your norm and you don't know any different. So I think that just the ability of asking different questions or seeing things differently mm -hmm. is just appreciating that all of us, even though we are all we think we're all living the same reality, we're living that same moment, whether it's a world event, a local event, a life event, something that you're personally going through each and every one of us has a different lens. We have a different way that we're viewing and focusing and seeing different elements of what that is. Mm -hmm. The thing though, is that we can control the lens. We can control what we focus on. So if we want to manifest more negative, it's very easy. And when you're in that cycle <laughs> is to, to take that, that, that lens and focus on only the negative constantly. And I think I just, I made a choice in my life that no matter how hard things are, I'm going to look for the positive. I'm just going to, and, and I'm very intentional. And I say this to myself, if I find myself in a cycle and I don't know where this came about, maybe as a child or as a teenager, but I just said to myself, ask yourself a different question, you know, cause when, I, when I'm in a negative state, I'll, I'll say that in, internally, I'll just say, 
where's the opportunity because of this? Where's the possibility that has just been created because of this? Because even at that 2008 moment, when we look at everything crashing down and depression, things that were going on, the one thing I was able to do though, because I asked a different question, was I was able to connect with my son better because the relationship I had with him before that, because I had all the money. Now he was only like a couple years old, <laughs> but he had, he was like three years old and he had stuff that what like an eight-year-old should have had. He had all the whiz bang, cool gadgety things. He didn't know what to do with any of that. He was too young for it. Right. And, but what it was, I was focusing on the stuff, you know, and what happened was, is that I realized like going to the park doesn't cost anything throwing a Frisbee with him or, or baseball or hugging and holding his hand and walking around like a deeper connection mm -hmm. on a personal level didn't cost a dime. Right. So what I did is I looked at where, where can I be happy? What things can I do that'll bring me joy and happiness? It doesn't necessarily have to manifest as a thing because as consumers, we are addicted to things. Yeah. But then even when we buy things, it's fleeting. Like how many of us grew up, like depending on the religion, you get a present from birthday or, or maybe a holiday and you play with that thing for like, you know, you've been waiting for it and you sweated it out and you did get that thing. And then you play with it for two days. Yeah. You know, and then, or us as adults, we see the kids and like, they wanted that thing. But when they're little, it's like, man, they have more fun with the box. The thing came yeah. out, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, it's like, so I think a lot of us get caught up in like, you know, to manifest happiness or feel fulfilled. It has to be a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, so again, I just asked myself a question, like, how can I be happy right now? How can I look at this as a new opportunity? I would not be with my wife right now if these events did not happen. And I'm beyond grateful and thankful of that relationship and her family and the other things that that's brought. This also brought me closer through the years, full circle, uh, where I had a strained relationship with my mom and it brought my mom and family. And sometimes those relationships came back into play because of other hardships and tensions that happened. Yeah. And we had to live through those things in order to find what was more important than a, an old grudge or an old chip on the shoulder or something that's just a story now. Yeah. But we have to be, we can, the interesting yeah. thing is we can be, this is the one thing I think a lot of us don't realize. We can be intentional with our thoughts. We can be intentional with the question that we do ask mm -hmm. so that we do get a better answer. I love this. This is so, so important and can be a complete life changer for people listening right now. Now, because you brought Melissa up, Paul, I just <laughs> want to mention that these two are, are adorable and they um, work together and they have a great relationship. So even though this is not what this podcast is about, I'm going to mm. ask you, do you have a tip for anyone listening out there that would like to improve their relationship with their significant other. All right. So you always get full transparency here. Yep. Uh, so Melissa and I both were previously married in relationships that were also business oriented. And wow. in both cases, in our own journeys, those were not healthy business relationships. So when we came together, that was not the reason why we came together, of course. Um, but it's something that when we came together, Melissa was doing her thing. I was doing my thing. And then as she naturally saw, and I have to say that it, both parties have to be involved uh, with these decisions. So if you're the gung-ho person and you're the open-minded one and, and you want to do business with a spouse, significant other, uh, other half, it's something that there has to be a mutual agreement. 
and it wasn't perfect at first. Um, I was used to being in control of everything. <laughs> like I, you know, I was the risk taker. I was the one. Um, and, and it's just something that Melissa came into an existing business that I had. And I had to personally acknowledge that I was creating some of the tension that I was trying to be in control all the time that I, in order to allow her to grow and mature and take ownership of the things that she wanted to be involved with, I had to let go. Mm. I had to trust. I had to, and that's the thing is when I think for a lot of us, when we do get burned in our lives, that trust factor, that wall, that suit of armor, that thick skin that we get, like we have to learn that the person in front of us now is not the situation or person that we experienced in the past. Because a lot of us bring in some deep baggage and we ruin current moments and future opportunities because we're allowing something that is only a story in our head because it's in the past to ruin what's happening in this current moment. So for me, I had to let go. I had to be a better person myself. And that allowed Melissa to blossom and to move in. And it actually just made in a new, more incredible thing with both of us being involved together that would have never existed if it was just me alone in my business or her on her own. Wow. So be willing That's to be open and listen. Advice, the trust, the letting go. And um, you're talking to a fellow control freak. So I'm, I'm personally <laughs> taking some notes here. This is outstanding. And, you know, I have to ask because I do have a lot of people out there who are looking to start or grow businesses. And because you're a real pro at this and you're very successful at it, do you have any specific tips for our entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I, I tell you what, it's it's very appealing. Um, if you've ever, you know, all of us is like at some point in our lives, most likely work for somebody else. Uh, I did uh, when I was underage, but uh, I've been self-employed my entire adult life. So I've coached tens of thousands of people through different industries through the world, you know, uh, and around the world through the years. But um, I see some common threads. Um, I see people that come into entrepreneurship uh, or, you know, and they might not see it as an entrepreneurship. They might just like be a business owner. They don't understand or wrap around what an entrepreneur is specifically. doesn't matter the label specifically, mm -hmm. but it's something that you have to, and it's a message I just gave recently, but uh, in a different space, but it's something you have to think about. Like a lot of us want to get things perfect because we want to put our best selves out there, but sometimes that control and that perfectionism that freezes us that like that paralyzes our opportunities and our growth mm -hmm. because we're trying to get everything right and everything perfect before we even take the first step. And one thing I, I strongly recommend is that you just need to take those steps and get feedback from the world because they'll tell you what the corrections you need to make. Cause we make, we try to make things perfect before we start. So what happens is we never get started. We are like, oh, we can update that sales page. Oh, we can, I need a better email. Oh, I need a better piece of technology. Oh, I need to buy another yeah. course that's gonna have the whiz bang thing. Oh, before I start, I'm gonna redo this. Oh, I need a better logo. <laughs> yeah. And while you settle all that, there are people in your market that are wanting and willing to buy the thing from you. They just don't know it exists because you're sitting back for months or years in an inaction state, thinking that every decision you're making is permanent mm -hmm. and it's not permanent. That's why I have, you said I had different successes because I've had different seasons. Life is a journey. Your business life is a journey. Mm -hmm. So every decision you make today is not permanent. So give yourself permission that potentially you will fail, but failure is feedback. You oh, put like something that. in the market, the people will respond. Do you have the right people in front of you? Do you have the right message for them? Do you even have the right offer to give them? And if any of those things are out of line, it's okay. People will give you feedback. 
just like a professional athlete, they're going to adjust their swing. They're going to adjust their pitch. They're going to adjust things because they have to, they have to swing in order to know, Oh, I'm a little off, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So if, if you sit in an action, that just means you're on the bench. You're just in there watching the game being played. So I just recommend the, all success stories start with the first step. I love that. I mean, a great analogy. Um, and I, and I love the failure is feedback because I think so many people, they, part of it is that they want it perfect, but a part of it is this underlying, what if I fail, you know, like yeah. what, I don't want that feeling that you get from failing, but failure is such an important part of success in entrepreneurship. And so I love that failure is feedback. That's fantastic. Um, and I could spend all, all day on here getting, you know, pulling tips out of you, but I, I, I know that you've got some really cool things coming up. Do you want to yeah. share um, anything about your upcoming programs? Yeah. So um, as you know, then most of your listeners might not, but we, we do have a high level coaching program. Uh, There is a wait list for that. So uh, that's called dream 100 membership. And um, that's where we do help people that, that want to go. We, we only allow 55 people in it. It's a very high touch program, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's something that that's on a wait list, um, you know, for people that, that want that higher touch, that higher involvement. And what we do have though, is a lot of people naturally, because we speak into entrepreneurship and growth and, you know, the, the lifeblood of, of a business is attracting clients. Mm -hmm. And of course, a lot of us that have businesses, like in the real world, we have our social cues. We know what to do. Like we meet somebody face to face. We interact with them in real time. We get feedback from them. We, we change our conversation based on what they say. So that allows us to lead people into a buying, you know, like an ethical buying decision, no matter if it's a salon, a pizza shop, or, you know, if you have an online product or anything like we, when we meet people in person, there's that real conversation. Now, what, what we see though, is when people start advertising online, when they're like, when they're at that point, they're like, oh, I see other, I see ads happening on Facebook. I know other people are making money. You know, I see this other online um, things. How do I do that? And then they get overwhelmed because it's a different way of thinking. Like our social cues go out the door and all of a sudden we turn into that shady person that like, you know, in an alley and it's like, hey, you want to buy a watch? You know, <laughs> it's like to yeah. a total stranger. They're like, buy my thing. You'll know me, but buy my thing, you know? And uh, so, so what we've done though, over the last several years, we, in our high level program, we were coaching our own members, how to launch and how to do things. Uh, we recently, uh, one of our members, um, she, her, her ads, she had somebody else that did her ads for her. She was not getting any success. She was struggling. It was like all over the place. Um, it was spaghetti and we just had her delete everything, start over, do our methodologies, put it in. Uh, and Melissa, uh, th- this is not my Melissa. This is, uh, one of the members she had over $170,000 us launch. Now she's in Canada. So like that money is even bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it just, but it, but it's just understanding and knowing social cues and understanding people are at different phases that, you know, most people did not wake up today. like, Hey, I want to buy your thing. Mm-hmm. So we need a message to the different people that are different stages differently. Mm-hmm. And we teach how to do that inside of our, we have a high level, um, um, course called adaptive, but what we do is not everybody's like quite ready right at that stage. So we, we love to bring people through a mini course initially. It's a five-day challenge. We call it the ads challenge. And, uh, and I think in your show notes, maybe, uh, maybe you can provide a, a link sure, happy uh, to here. that because people can get in that pretty much at, at any point in time when they listen to the, um, you know, to the recording. But it's just something that uh, what that'll do is it'll show you how you're getting targeted, how you're getting influenced like yourself. Mm-hmm. So we can show you where these things are. 
And then once you realize like, this is what's being done to you, it gets so powerful for you to realize as a small business owner, entrepreneur, or even somebody running a, a medium size or large size company, like you have the ability mm-hmm. to tap into these same things for your own business, yeah. to guide people from total strangers into raving paying clients through a very purposeful process. And a lot of people don't realize that marketing and sales is a process. And the cool thing about processes is once you have it down, you can replicate it, you can duplicate and you can scale it because it becomes predictable. And a lot of people, and when they talk about online advertising, they normally don't use the word predictable or duplicatable. (laughs) Right, right. No, that's true. You know, um, one of the things that I love, I've, I can personally say that the challenge and the course are amazing. And one of the things I like about it, that it's very different from other things out there because it really does look at the psychology and the process. And when you don't take that into consideration and when you're not looking at your clients as people, you're leaving a lot on the table, right? And, and so, uh, you know, it is, it's fantastic. So I'm so happy to hear that you're, you're doing that again, because it's such a great value for people who are entrepreneurs looking to grow their businesses. That's fantastic. And yes, I'm happy to put a link into the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. Thank you. Love it. Yeah. And And go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you because unbelievably the the 30 minutes has flown by. So do you have any final parting words of wisdom that you want to make sure our listeners walk away with? Yeah, I I tell you what, I think coming back to life is a journey and also your business has a life of its own. It's a journey also. Mm. Uh, And circling back into that every decision you make is not permanent. And you're either going to learn from that moment and or earn in that moment. And together coupled, you're just like, we very rarely ever go backwards in our knowledge. So it's something that you're going to have new perspectives, be able to lean into different new decisions, Mm -hmm. but give yourself permission to fail. You know, give yourself permission to take a risk, give yourself permission to not have it perfect. Put your thing into the world, put your thing into the market, get the feedback naturally Mm-hmm. So that way, you know what the pivot change because the perfect that you'll create off of feedback is the perfect that your client wants, mm-hmm. which is way better than what you think they want. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, important. And I love yeah, that. Yeah. Cause there's a, sometimes there's a disconnect between those two points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, we're in our own little bubble and we think we're building the greatest thing in the world. And then yeah. people out there in the world are like, I don't, we don't want that thing. <laughs> you know? That is so, so true. So get their feedback, get their engagement, get their comments, get their questions, and then mold it into what they really want. And then it's, it's not hard. You're not hard selling. Like you're guiding people into an ethical buying decision. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the last thing is just out of all of this, just lean in and enjoy the journey. Because even though I built two other companies, uh, cause we didn't talk about the other one earlier. And I know that maybe that'll be another podcast for another day. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that, um, your life isn't a launch. Your life is not your email list. Your life is not a social media following count. Your life is not how many people show up on your Facebook live. Your life is not qualified by how big your email list or how many sales that you have. While those things will help knowing those things and help guide you into success in your business, your business should be manifesting things that you want in your actual life. Mm -hmm. So be very intentional and very purposeful 
on the decisions that you're making. So you don't create a business as well as a life that is not going to serve you and your family. Mm. I love that, Paul. That's amazing. And those of you listening out there, you heard him say he's willing to come back and do another show with us. (laughs) So I'm going to take you up on that because I love chatting with you. And I know our listeners are getting a ton of value from it. So if you're out there, if you love this, please share it with a friend and feel free to write us a review. We enjoy those very much. Paul, you've been phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an incredible opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. My pleasure.